0: Hello and welcome to the Michael Calderon Show. We're so glad you could join us this Wednesday, November 14th. And uh, we have a a great show lined up for you um, this evening. With me is my co-host Adriana coming to us from Los Angeles, California. Adriana, how are you?
1: I'm great. How's everything over there?
0: Okay, not bad. Uh, weather's supposed to be cooling down this Friday.
1: Oh, that's, so that's nice. We've thing. already had cool weather over here, but especially after everything that has been going on with the fires, um, that's kind of like the main focus.
0: Right, right. What's the temperature been
1: like? Um, at night it's like in the 50s. Um, during the day it's been like like lower 70s. But it's been a lot okay. of a lot of uh, wind that was affecting, you know, the whole situation with the fire and very dry weather. So
0: fantastic. So you know, our our last show we we had we had talked about uh, Muhammad, who um, um, the Perano family has been helping, and I understand mm-hmm. that the that the Pirano family. Uh, is actually in Washington D.C. this week, so they're going to try to uh, to speak with some legislators uh, regarding that whole wow. situation. So, um, so I hope That's that we'll have. That's great to a-
1: hear. A- yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's such
1: a helpless situation for him. I mean, especially not even being able to move outside of you know the the building that he's in and and, and trying to do something from over there. I can only imagine how impossible it would be for him alone to make any difference so he's really been blessed with this with 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 them you know
0: yes absolutely absolutely so we'll definitely be keeping the listeners posted on that I've gotten gotten quite a few messages regarding that and I know that uh, there's been a, a lot of activity in terms of people um, downloading the show and, and clicking the show and and listening to the show so um
2: mm-hmm.
0: so we'll we'll definitely we'll definitely have to keep everyone posted um and you know I did have surgery last week to remove a polyp from my vocal cord
1: yeah
0: <clears throat> and thankfully thankfully my voice is fine at least I think so
1: <laughs> no you sound great for a while there we were like you know you, you've been kept saying that you were having like throat issues. So how did you come about finding out that finally it was something deeper than that? Because I feel like so many people are probably just like, oh I have a sore throat and don't even think about it.
0: Right. You know, that's a good question, Adriana. So you know the last the last few shows, um, you know, I I thought maybe I had a cold and you know and thought maybe I I, you know I had a a strain. And and I and I had I had been checked out and a uh, nurse practitioner said, yeah, you know, your throat's a bit irritated, you know, just keep watching it. And, uh, and that was basically it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it it didn't get any better. And the last show that we did, you know, my voice cut off a few times and of course yeah. I know it, but you know, uh, people listening may not have, may not have caught it.
1: Realize so,
0: right. You know, um, I noticed it. I went back to the doctor. He sent me to an ENT specialist, ear, nose, and throat, um, and he, he, he put a scope down, and he said, I see a polyp on your vocal cord. It's got to come out. So uh,
2: you wow. know, uh,
0: shout out to uh, Dr. Jasser, because uh, right here in, uh, in Pembroke Pines, he, uh, he said, listen, I'll be in and out in 10 minutes, and uh, when you wake up, oh. you'll be talking, oh. and everything will be fine. So, oh, wow. and, and he was right. You know, I've had other people that have had the surgery that told me, oh, you're going to, you know, you're going to be out for a few weeks. You're not going to be able to talk. Uh, you know, I was officiating a wedding uh, three days later.
1: So, wow, that's incredible.
0: Yeah. So, uh, So, what is,
1: it, what is the side effect if somebody doesn't catch that in time?
0: Well, you know, eventually the polyp can grow and uh, it can obstruct your airway. It can cause all kinds mm-hmm. of problems in the throat. And of course, you, you, mm-hmm. you, know, you don't wanna let something grow to the point where it's malignant or obstructing your airway, oh, right. you know? Yeah. Um, so, so today's guest is actually here in the studio with me, um, Al Romero, who, um, who resides here in South Florida. Actually, he's just, he's just a few minutes away from us here. Uh, he's a graduate of Florida State University uh, and is a Cuban-born actor, comedian, and writer who performs regularly in Las Vegas, one of my favorite cities, Atlantic City, another one of my favorites, and on cruise ships, another favorite place of mine.
2: Uh, <laughs>
0: Mr. Romero just published his book, Revolution, a Compelling and Historically Accurate Story of Cuba and Castro's Enslavement of that Beautiful Island. Uh, and it was published by Page Publishing. Um, He shares that Revolution is a thrilling novel of intrigue, deception, betrayal, courage, and the remarkable resilience of the human spirit under unbelievable circumstances. It illustrates how Fidel and his brother Raul lied to the Cuban people, cheated those who helped them fight against Batista, and murdered their way into power, removing anyone and everyone they saw as a threat. Revolution, How the Castros Lie, Cheated, and Murdered Their Way Into Power, is the story of the Quintanas, an ordinary middle-class family thrown into the turbulence of a civil war during the Cuban Revolution as they witness their normal everyday lives change dramatically for the worse and watch as family members turn against each other. Revolution was inspired by the family of author Al Romero and published once again by Page Publishing. our Marrow's book is a gripping and fast-paced debut novel based on the actual experiences of family and friends during the Cuban Re- Revolution and its aftermath. So readers who wish to experience the riveting novel can purchase Revolution, How the Castros Lied, Cheated, and Murdered Their Way into Power at book- bookstores everywhere or online at Apple iTunes Store, Amazon, and Google Play, or even Barnes & Noble. And I understand Costco uh, will be will be carrying it as well. So Al, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, thank you very much for having me. And uh, it's so yeah. it's so great to, to have you here. And uh, and Adriana sends her regards. Well, thank you, Adriana. Um, so so let's um, let's talk a, a little bit about your background okay. first of all. Um, you were born where? I was born in Havana, Cuba. Okay.
3: I came here to the United States. As a matter of fact, tomorrow will be my anniversary of arriving in the United States.
0: Well, welcome. Happy anniversary. (laughs) Wow. Happy anniversary.
3: I came on what a lot of people are not not aware of this. It was called the Peter Pan flights. Uh, Fidel, among many other things, that harebrained ideas they came up with, came up with this idea that all the children over the age of 10 were going to be interned in, you know, schools run by the government away from their parents and, you know, for the school year, and then will return to their parents during the summer vacation. Uh, Obviously, it was nothing more than an attempt to brainwash the kids. Uh, Well, parents were nuts, and one of the things they, uh, they were able to circumvent that was Uh, with the Catholic Church who came up with this program that they will take kids by themselves, me being one of them, uh, and uh, in the program called Pedro Pan, which is Peter Pan in in Spanish. And when we came to the United States by ourselves, and many of us went to live in orphanage and then sent to uh, foster homes uh, sponsored by the Catholic Church. I myself got very lucky that my aunt came three weeks before, and I was able to go live with her rather than have to go to an orphanage. And and this was
2: uh, uh, what
0: year?
3: This is the 60s. This is in the early 60s, this was going on. Okay.
0: Okay. And, and as a young boy growing up, um, did you always know what you wanted to do? Uh, yes. As a matter of
3: fact, I, I always wanted to be an, an FBI agent. Uh, I don't know if we have enough time to talk about why that didn't happen. Uh, but I have a degree in criminology from Florida State University, and my goal was to be an FBI agent. I actually started and most of the people in my family with that idea. At one point, I had a, a lieutenant and a sergeant with Metro here in Miami, and I currently have two FBI agents in my family. And I was the one that started it, and I was the only one
0: that ended up not being <laughs> in
3: police work. Wow.
0: Wow. wow. And... um and tell us, uh, tell us how you started with uh, with acting and and comedy. Well, uh, to uh, tell you the truth, uh, you know,
3: I after I, you know, I did not end up working for the FBI, which that's a story for another show. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm I sure started, you want that show aired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not a bad, it's not a bad story actually. Uh, <laughs> I started, uh, you know, I did a lot of sales. I've always been very good at talking, you know. I've always been able to be very fast with my feet, uh, so I became a salesman. I was very su- successful at it. It's true that I made a lot of money. Uh, was not happy, you know. I was making money, but not, not happy. And um, I got married very early when I was 21. Um, that is young. Yes, and you know, like a lot of marriages, when you're that young, you know. Six years later, we walk up, look at each other, and go, "Who are you?" <laughs> right. um, so we, our life went in completely different opposite direction. So now I'm in my late 20s, early 30s uh, with no kids, uh, no responsibilities. Um, like a lot of children of immigrants like my parents who sacrificed everything to bring me here, I felt the duty to you know educate myself and make something of myself to prove to them that they made all the sacrifices in vain. But at the age of 30, I find myself that, you know, I don't owe anything to anybody anymore. Uh, You know, I've done, I've proven myself, I've proven myself to my parents. Uh, I don't have children. I don't have a wife. What do I want to do with myself? And I really had a pretty serious conversation with myself at the age of 29. And I asked myself, without putting any limitations, what do you want to do with your life, Al? Well, the first thing that came to my mind is I wanted to be the second baseman for the New York Yankees. That took about 30 seconds to realize that that wasn't (laughs) going to happen. (laughs) So the second uh, wild idea was to be an actor. And as wild and far-fetched as that seemed at the moment, it was not out of the realm of possibility like being a professional baseball player if I wanted to put the time and effort into it. So I started taking acting classes. I took acting classes with uh, a lady, which at the time was pretty well known, uh, Ruth Foreman, who she called herself the first lady of the Florida theater.
2: (laughs) Uh That was the title Uh she gave herself.
3: Uh, Very affected. You know, one of those people that, you know, very dramatic. Uh, I started taking her classes. Uh, That while I was taking her classes uh, as an actor, uh, one of my co, you know, um, my co-workers uh, or co-actors in the sh- in the theater uh, told me, "Hey, Al, you said you wanted to also try stand-up comedy. They opened a comedy club on the beach," and I said, "Oh, well, go Miami on. Beach? Uh, I was yeah, it was actually Hollywood Beach. Oh, okay. Uh, I went there, tried it, and uh, I was. And I went there and I oh, died a miserable death, and I couldn't wait to go back. So I knew that if 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 this is the worst." case scenario and i still want to do it i might have maybe this what something that i should be doing uh so i started doing that and then i got caught into the the comedy club explosion of the 80s hmm. uh, i was very fortunate that within a year of doing comedy i went on vacation to la i finagled my way into a showcase at the comedy store where they were also, at the time, uh, auditioning for the Murray Irving show, and I got it. Wow.
2: And I oh, got wow. it
3: like, for m- maybe less than a year. And Mitzi Shore, the legendary owner of the comedy store, came running down from her perch and says, because uh, somebody know who I was, says, where do you live? Where do you live? I said, I live in Florida. He says, you're moving out here, aren't you? And I go, well, no, I really don't have any plans to move here. Yes, you are. You have to move out here. Because I'm gonna make you a regular, and uh, and you have to move out here. So I did. <laughs> I went back home, quit my job, packed my bag, moved to LA, and that's it. That's how I. That's how I got into show business.
0: Wow. And and you you were there for how long?
3: Uh, the comedy Store was there for almost six years. Um, at the they time, weren't. yeah, it was good. But the problem was that my career went from zero to sixty in a flash, and then I plateaued. Yeah. Because at the time in the eighties, there weren't any parts for for Hispanics. As a matter of fact, the New York Times had an article. It was called "The Invisible People," the Hollywood Invisible People, and it was talking about Hispanics.
2: Really? And Hispanics
3: didn't get any parts, any roles, and the few few roles that there were available for Hispanics were like drug addicts and
0: you know <coughs> pimps, criminals, yeah. criminals,
3: you know <clears throat> that type of stuff. So I found myself going to a lot of auditions that I never got. My, I was, I signed with William Morris. I was, I had agents. You know who Roger Ailes is? Yes, that was my manager at one time. Wow. I, had some really powerful people behind me, but they didn't know what to do with me. They really, truly didn't know what to do with me, because there were in no parts, you know, you know, and they actually were trying to invent a story or, or a comedy, you know, a, a sitcom for me, but it wasn't panning out. Uh, they even asked me to get rid of my accent. Uh, when, <laughs> no, really. Which I, you know, I kind of resented it to a certain degree because I, you know, I kept saying, well, I can't have an accent. I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> millions of Americans have accents. Right. But I went along with it. Uh, I took, they put, uh, they, uh, they wrote, enrolled me with the best uh, vocal uh, coaching in L.A., and the guy, I remember, like the third time I was there, he turned off the, the tape recorder. This is how many years ago it was. Wow. He yeah, the tape the, recorder. Right. He turned <laughs> off the tape recorder. He said, I can't help you. And I go, what do you mean? He says, I can't help you because you can't hear the difference. If you cannot hear the difference of the pronunciation, I can't teach you how to pronounce it. And it was true. He will say a sentence, and then I will repeat it. And he says, "Okay, you see the difference." I will go, "No, <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> do this. So the guy couldn't. They, I couldn't get rid of my accent, you know. Wow. So, uh, so I was with Roger for a little while. After you know, after a while, you know, we went our separate ways. And uh, but I was very so lucky that the comedy club explosion was all over the United States. So I'm, I made a very good living out of being a stand-up comedian. But I never fulfill my dream of being an actor um, because the, there weren't that many parts and by the time parts started coming around I was not the young guy anymore that they want so now I fall into the into the pattern of being a character actor and character actors <laughs> you have to be in the business for a long time in order to be a character actor the, if you notice when you watch movies second, third, fourth banana it happens to be the same actors you see it, the same people over and over and over again uh, so the story, going back to this story as to why I wrote this story, I wrote it first as a screenplay. I always okay. I always saw this as a movie. I wrote it as a screenplay. I actually optioned it to a small production company in North Carolina. Uh, they budgeted at $15 million, which is a lot of money for an independent film. They couldn't raise the money. They, they had ownership of the story for a couple of years. After a couple of years, you reverted back to me. I threw it in a drawer somewhere, forgot about it for a while. Then I dusted it off and I rewrote it as a book and here we are today.
0: Wow. Yeah.
3: So that was the oh, this yeah. version of my life.
0: <laughs> right. Right. And, and, you know, uh, the book is a very easy read. Thank you. And, um, and, and I think that as you go through the book, you can, uh, or at least I, as I can't speak for everybody, um, I can kind of see the scenes playing out in my head.
3: Well, that's what they, you know. That's what I mean, you try to do as a writer.
0: Yeah, yeah. You yeah. try
3: to put. The, you try to create a, a movie in somebody's head as they're reading it. You know. Correct. Of course, everybody. That's that's why people always get disappointed when they watch the movie of the book they read because the movie they create in their head is never the same movie right. that yeah. the director puts on. on Correct. On, right. Correct. So that's why people are always disappointed when they watch a movie <laughs> after they read the book. But yeah, that's the whole idea of doing that. Um, listen, what I did was uh, I took the same formula of the Godfather. The Godfather is the story of the mafia told through a family. Right. I did the same thing. My my book is the story of the Cuban Revolution told through a family. And, the, and I did it on purpose, not only because some of the stories that I write here happened to my family. But when you write about a family, everybody has a family. Everybody can right. relate. Everybody, and You humanize the story when you bring it and make it what happened to a family and individual people. Rather than an abstract idea of a revolution, I bring it home to a family and how the revolution affect this family. Now, what I did was everything that happens in this book didn't happen to my family i took the stories that pertain to my family and right. added things that happened to other people i did a lot of research put a lot of historical facts into the thing i you know collaged it all together into one story of the quintana family right. which is a fictional family
0: right right That's right ba- based on based. okay based- some true events. Right, exactly.
3: No, they're all, actually, everything that happened in this book happened. It didn't necessarily happen all to this family. Correct. But it happened to somebody, it just that I put it all together into one story, rather than 10 different stories. Right,
1: right. And how long and, did it take to gather all that information to put it all in, into one story?
3: Well, yeah, that's another thing. It, uh, it, and it's easier when, when you tell the story of what happened when it happens to an individual, especially an individual, hopefully uh, you have developed the character well enough in the book that you now have some kind of affinity to this character. You care for this character, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so, you know, that's, that was the, the story behind it. That, you know, that's what writers do. I mean, that's the whole idea of writing. This is my first book. I, I, I amaze myself. <clears throat> Of what I didn't know that I knew. Right. When I was writing a book, I would sit there and I, I would take. I will sit back and I go, How do I know this? Because nobody ever taught me. I never went to a you know a, a writing class or anything like that. But I, I'm a vor- voracious reader, so I read a lot. And by osmosis, I knew how to construct characters. I knew how to construct characters. I knew how to develop the story by so many of books that I've read. That it was by osmosis in my head. I I can't even explain it to you, right? But I know
0: stuff that I didn't know that I knew. <laughs> right. No, no. I, and, and it makes a lot of sense. And I know, you know, uh writing a book is on Adriana's list. Good. It's in. I yeah. Know it's on. Her, it's on her top five. Am I right, Adriana? Yeah.
1: No. Well, I think everybody right. has a book That's- in them. Yeah, that's true. Everybody has a story to tell. You right. know, It's just how they, how how does it create itself into the physical world? Some people they do it by standing on stage. Some people do it by writing a book. Some people, like you said, do a movie. Um, but we all definitely have something in us that needs to be heard. So I, I uh, appreciate you for for taking the time to write the book and tell us the story that you had inside of you. And for me, it's really interesting always to kind of pick to see how they got to the point of writing it. But it sounds like it was almost like a nature to you.
4: Well, actually,
3: Deanna, when I was reading or sitting in my cabin, because I work on cruise ships a lot, and thank God I had hours of, you know, that I could spend writing, the the story pour out of me. I will sit in my cabin and will write for seven, eight, nine hours just just take breaks wow. to go to the bathroom and maybe get something to eat and go right back. And I would spend nine hours writing, you know, and it was like nothing. It was like, uh, it didn't even seem, seemed like it was nine hours that I spent writing.
2: That's, just that's amazing. Did you,
0: feel, did you feel a lot of pressure?
3: No, not having no pressure at all. Not at all. Not at all. I'm telling you, it poured out of me. It was, it just came out of me, you know.
0: How about when you perform on stage? Is there pressure?
3: Uh, yes and no. I mean, I mean, um, you want people to laugh. Oh right? yeah, oh, yeah. But you can go there with that in <laughs> mind. Uh, as a performer, people say, "Do you get nervous?" I consider being nervous on on control uh, adrenaline. You get nervous because you have a lot of adrenaline and you don't know what to do with it. Right. And it it, it makes you nervous because you can't control it. Once you learn how to control your adrenaline that nervousness turns into a positive because now you have to channel it with all our energy and put it out there as a performer. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a comedian, strangely enough, I can write, I can write books. I can write screenplays. I can write uh, comedy sketches. because I used to be in a sketch comedy group. Uh, I cannot write stand up.
2: stand
3: mm. uh, Standup is very, very personal to me. I have to have a, personal relationship with the joke in order for me to bring it on stage. For example, if I want to talk about stupid things that people do, I have to have had an experience myself or watch somebody else or be in a situation where I experienced that and bring it on stage. I can't put a piece of paper and say, okay, let me write about windows. What is funny about windows? Because I'll be there ten years from now, and nothing will right, come out of right, me. Right, right. But I might have a situation where I had a situation funny that happened to me with a window, and then I bring that on stage and develop it into a joke. But I cannot write on purpose to be funny. I can't do it.
0: Right. You know, in, in the book, um, there was uh, in, in one of the sections, the uh, uh, one of the family members you know, says something and, and it's related to nationalism mm-hmm. and says, We are all now equally poor. Right. And that's a profound that's a profound statement and it's a profound quote. Well the, let's talk about that. Well
3: the the one thing that Fidel <clears throat> Castro said and he was good on his pledge was that he said that he was going to make sure that all Cubans were equal, and that's what he accomplished. Every Cuban is equally poor. Except, obviously, the people of the Communist Party, which are, you know, they're they're the new, you know, nouveau nouveau rich.
0: Right. right.
3: But, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I don't want to get too political, but...
2: You can. That's okay. (laughs) Communism is socialism.
3: Communism is socialism. When they talk about making everybody equal, it never... They, their, their, their achievement is never to bring the lower economic people to the level of the middle class or higher. It is always bringing the people, the higher uh, economic uh, middle class, down to the lower level. Right. They never raise people. They always lower people. So people end up being equal, but being equally poor. You know, I always say this to people. Do you know what the greatest aspiration of a Cuban wow. doctor is? To be a bartender at a tourist hotel. Because a Cuban doctor wow. makes thirty dollars a month. Wow. They can make that in more in less than a day
0: being a bartender at a tourist hotel. I think you probably do that in about thirty minutes. Exactly. Okay. Exactly.
3: So that 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 is the greatest aspiration of a Cuban doctor is to be
0: a bartender. And when when was the um when was the last time you were in Cuba?
3: Oh, the, from the day I left when I was a kid, I'd never been
2: back.
4: You haven't um, been back. No, well, I, you know,
3: Do listen, you remember I, can't go back you. I yeah, oh yeah, believe me. Well, listen, you know, my family was very much involved. My next-door neighbor was the te- secretary of labor. I saw the revolution in my neighborhood. So, when Batista was there and then when Batista was overthrown, Those houses were taken over by people in a similar position by the Castro uh, people. So I was very much in the middle of it. So that's why this story is so vivid for me, because I lived it, you know, even though I was very young. And when you're young, you're very impressionable. So all those things stuck in my head.
0: Well, would you say that uh, your persona non grata there at this point? Well, that's what I
3: was going to tell you. I mean,
0: (laughs) uh, listen,
3: they know everything in Cuba. The minute I step in Cuba and 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 they run my name, they know who everybody in my family was. Right. And now after I read this book, after after I wrote this book, which the subtitle is "How the Castro's Like Cheated and Murdered Their Way Into Power," I don't think I'm,
2: I don't think I will be allowed. <laughs> yeah,
0: you you probably you probably would not want to go back at this. No, point. I, don't, I don't. Yeah. I don't. You would probably be taken into custody.
3: Well, you know that in Cuba, Cuba does, doesn't recognize me as being only an American citizen. In the eyes of the Cuban government, I have dual citizenship. They don't. They don't recognize me renouncing my Cuban citizenship. To them, that doesn't exist.
4: Mm-hmm. If I was
3: born in Cuba, I'm a Cuban citizen to the day I die. I might have another, you know, uh, citizenship, but I still retain the Cuban. Citizenship in their eyes. Got so it. when I go in Cuba, they will treat me as a Cuban Cuba, Right, so, right. I got it. Yeah.
0: We, we have. A, we're going to pick up a call okay. from Diana. Diana works here with us, okay. um, and and you may have uh, you may have met her recently, uh, I think I think. a few weeks ago. I think I did. Um, and and she got to read the book before me. So um, and 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 of course she's Cuban. So uh, if you can relate to yes. it, yes, Diana. How are you this evening?
5: Hi, very good. Thank you, Michael, for taking my call, <laughs> and thank absolutely you absolutely. thank you.
0: <clears throat> and, and thank <laughs> you, thank you for for uh, for connecting with us. I know I know you've worked a long, hard day here, and uh, and here you are calling calling back into the show.
5: Yeah, so, because this is very, very important, basically. <laughs> thank you. Thank At least we're Cubans. Yeah. So, but so you got to read Cubans. the
0: book. You got to read the book pretty quickly. Yeah. Um,
5: because t- t- that, t- it was so interesting to me, definitely. Definitely. Yeah,
0: so, so tell us, tell us your your point of view on the book.
5: Basically, when I was reading the book, I'm like, oh, God, this is where everything came from. That's why. Because, you, yeah. I mean, I, I I came here to the United States only 10 years ago. So I, I did grow up, was born, grew up, came here when I was 19 years old. So I basically knew the communist Cuba, basically. You know, like, you grow up to be a little pionero and... That's why you know. That's right, why you know you're, your one
3: ch- you, you're one of the children of that revolution, like Fidel likes to call yes,
5: it. Yes, pretty much, right. pretty right. much, and even my so you, my parents are also, because they were born in 1962, so that was when right. it was right. already established, pretty much. Because I'm so you, you basically, your you basically,
3: you basically grew up with year. <laughs> the, the the indoctrination and the point of view of the Castros as to how we got to today.
5: Yes, exactly. This is an expl- a very detailed explanation of what happened because the way I know it, because of the books we have in Cuba, it's another completely different story. We never knew the CIA helped the, the revolution whatsoever. We never knew a bunch of things that basically described in the book, uh, like families and immigrating uh, right there in there because all their stuff have been taken by the government. And, you know, all these details, are, I mean, I want people to read the book and and know what happened exactly, eyes. but it was extremely clarifying to me being <laughs> born where I was born. <laughs> How
3: did, you, how did you like the How did you like uh, the take on Camilo Cienfuegos and what really happened yes, to him? Yes,
5: that here? was. I mean, we all, the part of Cuba that it's not this revolutionary follower, you know, communist knows that something really happened to him. That right. something happened in the sense that he was murdered, for sure. In that sense, well. and um, um, the I mean. The the funny thing or the most creepy thing is that he's still being used so much. Yes, I know. Like I know. like he was following and understanding and agreeing with this type of system when he was not. <laughs> that that is incredible. But he was a tremendous respect from these people nonetheless.
3: He was a tremendous threat to <laughs> Fidel because he was very
2: popular. He was. He, yeah, he was so you...
5: popular. Wait, I know we we have songs, we have poems, all about Camilo and how he was great, but yes. still communist. Well, yeah. and, sure. and it's all contrary. He was he was great in the sense that he was trying to do something good, but right there and there stopped.
0: Yeah, and, and and Diana, I I know that you know you and I we spoke we spoke a few times about the book. Yes. Um mm-hmm. but but the one question I'm going to put you on the spot but don't worry no one can see you cuz you're on radio <laughs> but um, but tell me h- how did how did the book make you feel emotionally angry, like, did, did you feel
5: oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry <angry. laughs> um, Yeah what, what happened, happened. Yeah. Yes, it's it's so frustrating. I It's right now, like, two days ago, literally two days ago on Saturday, a person whom I know happened to be one of the, um, you know, he was incarcerated. This happened to him. He had to run away from Cuba. He came here. He was taken by the the U.S., of course, because he was a refugee. And uh, he just died on Saturday, and he never he was never able to go back to Cuba what at any point, because the way he has to come here because he couldn't the government wouldn't let him go back, so wow. he just didn't see his land again ever again when he was born wow. because this type of system, because what happened and it's, it's sad, it's really sad that something like that could happen. It's still going, and what can you do? It's like well, you that's do what I am not anything about it. <laughs> right?
2: and and, and I <laughs> felt <unbelievable>. like
0: <clears throat> I, I felt like you know when we spoke about it, I could tell that you were emotional about it. That it really it really pushed some buttons in you.
5: It does. <laughs> it does <laughs> of it very very much. And yeah, I'm sure because because you, you, can relate. you can relate to it. Yes, it, 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 definitely, definitely, definitely. I'm very much at,
1: attached to the story because... So someone like myself that, you know, I, I'm i from Venezuela, my daughter's from Spain, but I, I don't know all the dynamics of Cuba or someone that grew up from there. So you're saying that basically people or children, you know, get brainwashed when they're in <laughs> school by by lies that they that the teachers are told you to tell no the children?
5: Idea. You have no idea. It's um, everything related to the education system. <gasps> yeah, we have a free educational system, but it's all a lie, too. You go there and they give you this from the beginning and you learn how to – oh, let me just tell you, the, the most beautiful thing that your childhood can have in – Cuba, it's basically Jose Martí. He's uh, the national um, writer, basically, of the country, but he was born and died for the revolution way prior to that. He has nothing to do with that, but he was the only unique good thing that happened. Other than that, all the books that you could read, all the history books you could read, (laughs) the whole once just like
3: from so yes. 1959 up, it's all life. Well, the cast wow. has done a good job of, of you know, co-opting uh, uh, um, Jose Martí and Camilo Sinfuegos as if they would have been totally for the revolution. And uh, it, that's a, a blatant lie. You
5: yeah. know, I don't think
3: Jose Martí would have been for the Exactly. No,
5: they've been used so badly, so badly. It's just... Incredible. They can get they can get away with this, and there's nothing you can do about it. They're using people, Mm -hmm. using people's names to be to to, okay. They're naming them great, which they were. They were great people, great writers, great. But still, they weren't okay with the type of thing that you guys are doing. So it's kind of it's so sad. It's really, really well. That's that's why I
3: wrote the book. That's why I wrote the books, to uh, to clear the air, to to tell to tell the story the way it really happened, not like the way the Castro's have been told the world, you
5: uh-huh.
3: know? Yeah. Even and that's why hopefully...
5: Yeah, I told my mom that I was reading this book. I even t- take it to her house, um, and she's like, oh, it's in English, okay? I'm like, I might try to get it in Spanish. It's fine. Well, she's like, It's not you in know Spanish what? yet. <laughs>
3: it's not in <as> Spanish. <laughs> okay.
5: No, it's not. Do me and, a um, favor. No, oh yeah,
3: Francis speak English to to get a copy and they can educate themselves to what happened in Cuba.
5: Oh, so what happened? Yeah, I've been telling everybody at the office. Don't worry. Good. good, good, good. <laughs> yeah, and we have What's a
3: Costco your... right across the street. Well, they're gonna carry it at a Costco.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, that I even told one of my coworkers too that it was gonna come out on at Costco. I told him already about it. <laughs> and uh, so basically yeah when I when my mom saw it she said what is this because she knows that anything with a flag with a Cuban flag <laughs> it's totally mistaken I'm like listen no actually this this one tells the story the real story about what happened she said oh well, my god you that's great yeah
3: but the Cuban She's flag like, this one yeah. is torn, torn Yeah, drips you get blood. so
5: scared you're like oh my god another revolution bug Great. Mm-hmm. Another Fidel book. That's what you no, see no, because no. when you're born in Cuba, this is all you know. This is all you see. I know. I know. Anything related to the flag, even to the palm tree, which is our national tree, it's about communism, about something with Fidel, about the revolution that he did, something about it. So, of course, this is the cooperation, basically. Like This is why you assume it's going to be but, no, I told her, listen, no, this is actually what happened. And she said, you know what? It's so sad that uh, you you still go to Cuba and you tell this same story to some people in Cuba and they still tell you, no, that didn't happen. That's not right.
3: true. Well, because they're being they have been brainwashed. That's yeah. the reason why. You exactly. Know? Listen, <laughs> listen exactly. a lot of Americans don't know oh. that either. I wrote the book. That's why I wrote it in English. Uh, I, I I wrote this story uh for to the American public to educate the American public for what happened because a lot of people in the United States don't know what really happened. You
5: Didn't know they don't know. They still think that Che Guevara it's uh hero I know. Just, I know. I'm know.
3: i like, listen,
5: we don't understand. He was in
3: charge system. he was he in charge understand. of the firing squad. That's
2: what yeah,
5: were Right was. there pe- killing people and that's what this old man um said to us once too. He um he was trying to tell us, and I was about to tell him about this book, too, but he couldn't make it. It's extremely sad, extremely sad. Yeah, well, that's so what Chiqui
3: Barron's job was. He was in charge of the firing squad. That was his job, killing people.
5: Uh-huh. Yeah. Killing yeah. people, indeed. And well, listen, I, I, I hope you pass I'm... the
3: word around, and I hope anybody listening, uh, you know, <laughs> either go to your bookstore and order or go to Amazon.com or BarnesArnoble.com. And order the book. If you go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble, uh, go to the search bar, put Revolution by Al Romero, and it comes up. You can buy it in hardcover, softcover, or oh, digital.
0: When, when are we going to have it in Spanish?
3: Uh, well, what happens is you have to sell a lot of books for your publisher to want to do a Spanish translation. Okay. And I don't have control of the Spanish language well enough to do it myself. Okay. So I will have to hire a professional Spanish writer to translate this into Spanish because I you know I've been here you know almost all my life and I, right. I speak Spanish but I don't have you know the eloquence to write in Spanish
0: yeah. you know. Yeah. Well Diana can help with that.
3: Well maybe she could.
2: For you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, right. Thank you. But we'll have
0: to make sure we, we we get your copy signed Diana. Definitely.
5: Oh thank you thank you Michael thank you Mr. Romero <laughs>
0: thank you
3: for thank you for reading and faster the around tell everybody
5: <laughs> for sure
2: <laughs> for sure any, that's
0: any, the only way D- Diana any other comments relating to the book I,
5: I
1: was I was also going to
5: say it was also good to read about what really uh, Havana was like basically because mostly all the action happened in Havana right I didn't know about the baseball league that the professional baseball, baseball players from the United States were going regularly and play like nothing over there. I didn't yeah. know that. We and didn't the carnival
3: which is, the carnival which is very popular, you yeah,
5: know what I mean. Yeah, they were very yeah. popular and yeah, no. <laughs> There's now no let thing. me ask
3: you. Let me ask you a question. Besides the yeah. fact that you like the story because of your background, did you find the story entertaining, uh, even if As you it has is. nothing to do with it?
5: Yes, I like it. No, okay, like I was saying to Michael, Michael, and I'm like, it's a, it's a sad story at the end of the day. So it's gonna be really, really hard to like in the sense of you know, I love this book because. It's a great adventure. It's not... It's, it's a sad adventure of this family and you know, what they went through. And in the sense of the story, it's compelling for sure.
2: Good, good. That was my goal.
5: <laughs> and for friend, my like, Well, it's know, a sad story, man. It's a stopped. sad story. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, mean, long it,
0: long is, it, it, it is a sad story because... I, I think what what makes it sad, aside from many of the things that are depicted in the book, is that pretty much this is all based on true events
2: right yeah you know,
0: exactly. so you know while it's officially a work of fiction right it's it's based on all true events right. so right. so yeah. i i think I Definitely.
2: think at the end of the day,
0: you know when when you walk away from the story, you know that hey, these things really happened. Right, it happened to somebody. And, and, and actually, in some cases, it's still happening. Oh, very much so, you know? yeah. I mean, it, it, it reminded me, I, I don't know if you know uh, um, N- Nelson Dennis, who, uh, who's also an author. He wrote uh, The War Against Puerto Ricans. And um, no. he talks about, and he, he was a uh, assemblyman in New York. Uh, he's an attorney, Harvard Law School and grew up in Washington Heights, in my neighborhood in New York, and uh, and talks about kind of the, the plight of the Puerto Rican people, and and yeah. talks about a lot of things that not only Americans don't know, you know, in, in terms of people born here on the mainland, but even Puerto things Ricans. that Puerto Ricans don't know. Exactly, exactly. You know, and, yeah. and he even talks about the whole, the whole issue of statehood versus independence, right? You know, and and he brings up a great point in his book. He says that um, you know, yeah, there's there's some, there's some support for for statehood for Puerto Rico. The Constitution of the United States spells out that there are a certain number of electorates, right, in the Electoral College, right? Right. So, what state in the union is going to say? okay, I'll give up one or two of my votes so that Puerto Rico can vote for Mm -hmm. president. Mm -hmm. No one's going to do that. They don't want to lose that power.
3: You know?
2: (laughs) Well, uh, you know, um, I just
3: want to say that your your neighborhood is not a Puerto Rican neighborhood anymore. I know. It's
0: a Dominican
2: neighborhood (laughs) now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It changed.
0: It's really transformed yeah, over the years. I, I mean, know. At, you know, at one time it was, you know, um, there were a, l- a large number of uh, Orthodox Jews. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, back and in because, the day, yeah. Because of Yeshiva University. Right, right, was still right, There was a lot of Irish and Greek. Right. And, you know, kind of a, a well, melting pot. That's the beauty of New York. It's, a, it's an ever-changing uh, yeah. city, you know.
3: This neighborhood was you know, there's neighborhoods now that were very uh, uh let's say white and now they're all Korean, you yeah, know. Yeah. I mean it's ever changing. It you know, it right. just goes around and around and around,
0: you know. Right. And 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 likewise the Cuban community has has moved a bit to yeah. here well, here in Florida. Well, yeah, exactly. Oh uh, and all over the United States.
3: We also have pretty large, the second largest communities in uh Union City across across the Hudson
0: yep, you know Yep I I went to Union City many times yeah, in New Jersey
3: yeah. Elizabeth Union City you know, some of know? the best
0: restaurants in Union City and yeah, West New York uh,
3: uh, you know Well our food is the same Yes
0: you know? absolutely The
3: only difference is
0: that we we like the we like the, the
3: lo, lo frijoles negros and you like los colorados Right that's
2: right That's <laughs> yeah. right we have the red beans and we black, like the black that's beans That's right Yeah that's right that's right absolutely <laughs> And um, For sure. Um,
5: we like food, no matter what. It's international.
3: Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's absolutely. the same food. You know, you call it mofongo, we call it fufu de platano. Right,
2: right. <laughs> I oh have God, to admit mofongo,
3: mofongo is better than fufu. It is. It is.
2: <laughs> it is, it is yeah, I have to admit it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm.
0: Now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but, Diana, any other any other comments on on the book? No,
5: um. Not at the top of my head
2: right now. <laughs> All right. It's
5: really good. I loved it. Thank I you. loved the book. It was really, thank really, you, really good. Tell everybody you
2: know.
0: <laughs> and, and thank you so much for joining <laughs> us, Diana, after after working a full day here.
5: No, um,
1: it's funny. It was
5: cool, and it was very interesting, and it was a pleasure to meet you, um, hear you. <laughs> thank no you. Well, thank you so much. I
1: will go
0: by and sign the book for you.
5: <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you. All very, very, very nice. We love it. Thanks we love it.
0: Thanks, Diana. Love Have it. a great night.
5: <laughs> thank you, to too, Michael. Thank you.
0: Yeah. thank you.
3: Bye bye. Well, it's very heartwarming to hear somebody <laughs> read the book and you yeah. know and actually get what I was trying to put out there. Yeah. Yes. As a as a writer, you, you know, you put out the story and you hope that you're communicating. What's in your head and, and put in somebody else's head, and when you hear people that are able or you were able to do that is' very rewarding for for us as a writer know. Right. absolutely that. yeah
0: absolutely and and um you know I remember um when uh when I spoke to her about the book and and showed her the book um because you know knowing her background right. and also knowing she hasn't been here. Uh, in the U.S., say, as long as you have. Right, right. You know, so she brings a more recent perspective. Well, listen, let me tell you something. This is the,
3: the, this is the Cuban generation that I want to appeal to. Right. Because my generation knows this story. I mean, to me, to tell this story to my generation is redundant. You know, we've been telling this mm-hmm. story to one another for years. But her generation, the children of the of, of Castro, the people that grew up in that environment, that only knows the one side of the story, which was told by Fidel over and over again. Right. And for me to be able to tell them this side of the story, what, what I perceive to be the truth, and for them to go, oh, my God, I didn't know this happened. Oh, my God. Now now I see the other side is it's so rewarding for me. You know?
0: Right. I, how, how would you summarize the Castro family?
3: Listen... Fidel Castro is a megalomaniac. Fidel Castro is not a communist. Fidel Castro doesn't have any ideology except Fidel. Okay? Fidel Castro is a very <clears throat> diabolical genius. He knew that the only way could become an international figure was to turn around and give the middle finger to the United States. If he would have been the of Cuba, they would have built a statue, and maybe only Cubans would have known about him, and that would have been the end of that. That wasn't good enough for Castro. Right. Castro wanted to be an international figure, but how do you become an international figure where you're in a little island in the Caribbean? Well, what you do is you turn around to the big brother, the United States, and you give the finger to the United States and tell him, screw you. Right. And that day, he became an international figure. And everybody that hated the United States or had some kind of problem with the United States, made him an international hero because he was doing something that they were like to do. And here's this little guy from this little Island being so blatantly.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, and then he turns around and associated himself to the biggest enemy of the country of the United States, which is the Soviet union. Right. right. You know, I mean, that's, you don't listen, People that knew Fidel back in the day, and I have a video that is amazing. Fidel Castro was actually a fascist, not a, not a communist. But in the 50s, you couldn't be a fascist after the world had just defeated fascism and, 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 and the Nazis. You couldn't be a fascist. It was be impossible. Right. But what's the closest thing? Because if you take fascism and, 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 uh, and, uh, and communism, it meets in the middle. If, the extremes always become the same. So the closest thing he could find to fascism was communism. Fidel Castro. I have I have a, a video, split screen, of Fidel Castro giving a speech and Mussolini giving a speech. Mm. Eerie. The mannerisms that this man that
0: sounds, has. That sounds vaguely
3: familiar. It's amazing. Yeah. If you yeah. look at it, if you look at it, it's almost. Watching a, cop, a carbon copy of Mussolini, which the people that knew him when he was a young man at the University of Havana said that it was his hero. Wow. Mussolini was his hero, but you couldn't tell yeah. people in the '50s you were here uh, Mussolini was your hero because Mussolini had just been killed and and defeated by 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 the Allies. Right, right. So who is the only other people standing around that are at the enemy of the United States, the Soviet Union, and that's okay. what he did. It. He doesn't have any ideology. The only ideology Fidel Castro ever had was Fidel Castro. Was fidel. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's it. That that's in a nutshell that's what it is. He's a Fidel. He's a Fidelista.
2: That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah.
0: A faithful fidel.
3: Exactly. Right? And his brother his brother Raul Castro was, you know. <laughs> You know, if if you watch those uh, movies where you see the little the little brother following the big brother around, and whatever the big brother does, the little brother wants to do, a classic Raúl Castro.
0: Right, right.
3: Raúl Castro. And classic.
0: and and you had an uncle that was killed.
3: Yes, I had my uncle. My uncle was an officer in Cuba's armed forces. Actually, he was in the navy. Okay. And in, in the Cuban navy, which is very small, and and he realized because Castro, he, listen. Most of the people, I won't say most, a lot of the people that fought with Fidel in the mountains Mm -hmm. never knew he was a communist, believed what he said he was, you know, for democratic principles and establishing the the Constitution in 1940 and all that. So a lot of people helped him financially, helped him, you know, physically and emotionally. And when they realized they'd been lied to, they started working against him. My uncle, right. being one of them, started working with the CIA, got caught, and was killed in a firing
2: squad. Yeah. yeah. So he, he was So, a so Fidel came,
1: so Fidel oh, came up in power because he was promising things that he essentially was he never going to deliver. So
3: a- another thing about the Cuban Revolution, the Cuba, Fidel Castro have been able to tell the world, sell the world, on the idea that. The Cuban Revolution was a peasant revolt led by him, which is a complete lie. The Cuban Revolution was started by the middle class, people like him, who was a lawyer, people like my uncle. There were, the middle class of Cuba was sick and tired of having dictatorship after dictatorship after dictatorship like Batista. We wanted to shed that banana republic mentality and create a true democratic government in Cuba, which is what Fidel promised to everybody. That's how he won. Everybody in Jan, on January 1st, 1959, except the people that were from Batista, every Cuban was a, Fidel, a Fidelista. Every one of us were, because we thought mm-hmm. that he was going to do what he promised he was gonna do. But what he did instead was as he's pretending that he's gonna establish democratic free election government, he was working behind the scenes to create a communist dictatorship.
0: Now how, how long did your did your uncle work with the CIA? That I don't know. It's but, classified. No, it's not that it's classified is <laughs> that
3: I really don't know. I will say I will say <laughs> probably about a year, year and a half.
0: Okay.
3: You know? And you
0: know, and then he was exposed?
3: Yeah, but listen, like I told him my book, Fidel Castro He's a diabolical genius. Fidel Castro, the day he took over power, started organizations against himself. So he would draw people that were going to be against him to the organization that he started. Wow! I, I, I talk about it in yeah, my book. It, yeah. it's, I mean, it's brilliant to tell you yeah, if you think it about it. Absolutely. It's brilliant. Wow. So he started organizations against himself so those people that wanted to be against himself were drawn to those established organizations that he controlled himself. So right around the Bay of Pigs, he knew everything about the Bay of Pigs because he had people in the invasion that were Castro's people. Right. The day or the week before, or a couple of weeks before, he put everybody in jail because he knew everybody that was against him. And I think my uncle probably got caught in that or shortly after that
2: mm-hmm. you yeah. know mm-hmm. and
3: you know he was working with two other members of my family uh, I have an uncle who uh, was sent into 30 years of hard labor spent 10 mm-hmm. uh, and got out in some kind of uh, you know when Fidel Castro won concessions from people he always let some prisoners out right. I think that the government of Spain you know you know, gave him something or that he wanted whatever. He let some people out and my uncle got out in in that thing. My uncle to this day is still in prison in his mind. Wow. My uncle, Mm. you cannot have a conversation with my uncle that it doesn't revert back to being in jail. If you say, wow, it's really hot today. Hot. Oh, you should have seen how hot it was when I was in the Isle of Pines in jail in Cuba. If you say, oh, look at that cloud, oh, the cloud, you should have seen the clouds when I was from my cell. You know, that he, he cannot have any conversation, it doesn't revert to that point in his life. You know, the the tag on his car is prisoner number. Really?
2: Yeah. Oh, He's still
4: in jail.
3: He's still in jail. Does he, does in he his live mind.
4: Here in Florida? Yeah, he does. Wow.
3: He's still in jail in his
0: mind. He's wow.
3: completely, totally. He, he,
0: he, he must have severe PTSD. And- oh. God, yeah. Knows. Oh, you kidding me? Listen,
3: if you cannot have a conversation, everything reverts to that. So that means that tells you that in his mind, he's still there. Yeah, that's
0: that's his hes Yeah. Still there. That's
2: yeah.
3: Wow. Oh. Yeah. Oh. But you know, that's that's how about the, the jails and Cuba word That you know, I mean, it's not only physical.
2: That, uh, does, he,
3: does
0: he know about your book? Uh, yes, he does, but he doesn't he doesn't speak English that
3: well. Okay. He's Luis, He's right here. You know, in the acknowledgement, right. I, I say this book is dedicated to Joaquin Pepe Puebla. That's the Joaquin in my book. Right. Martin Rivero, which is the one that escapes. And Luis Huerta, you know, to Luis, who is, to this day suffers the lingering effects of so many years spending Castro's gulags.
4: Luis is Cesar. Right.
3: Uh, Got it. Edgar is uh, Diego. Joaquin is Joaquin. It. I mean, it's yeah. fictionalized. Though.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just, those
3: it. are the three guys
0: right, right, right.
3: that I, will inspire me to
0: write the book. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What an amazing story.
3: Well, thank you.
0: Yeah, and, uh, incredible. When is, when is the movie coming out?
3: Well, I don't know. I'm hopeful. Hopefully somebody will read it that will want to turn this into a, into a, into a screenplay you know? I'm, listen, this is why I'm Adriana's doing...
0: Adriana's ready. Yeah. You have a partner, now, right? <laughs> you know, you're kidding me, yeah. She's already in L.A. She already moved.
2: She can play more. I Lauren. know, I'm start. <laughs> so she's ready. Start recruiting
1: yeah. But, you know what, this this book really sounds to me a lot like uh, the Colombian novela that also turned into something I think on HBO. Um, I mean, obviously, that's the Colombian cartel
3: version of it could be a it could be a short series on HBO, it could be a full length movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like it like the short series captures more
2: yes people. Like it really captures
1: people's attention more than even like a movie or documentary. And I know somebody that I, I I personally feel like I'm kind of in the dark about, you know, the history and what happened. And, um, and again, I know the situation, but I don't know to the extent of what everyone has gone through, how it's just really transformed into what it is today. And, um, and I think it would be really necessary for people to hear that because this story that, that you put out there is so quintessential to what so many people are, have experienced and nobody even knows.
3: And well, I wrote the book. I wrote the book for you, for people like you, <laughs> for the American public that does not know what happened, yeah. and to you know, to introduce them to to the story of what really happened, rather than what Fidel's been able to sell, you know, the world, you know, right, you know. Mm-hmm. So you, well, thank you, you. Are my, you are my audience. You are my ta- my, ta- yes. my target audience. You really are.
1: Yeah. Thank and you. you're right.
3: This well, book thank will you make.
4: Well, thank it, you, it would thank you. put
1: so much light on to what happened because it's really significant. And you know how one man like, you know, there are very many men that stand out in my mind that have done something very similar, but he's kind of almost been under the radar without any backlash a little bit through his whole life of really knowing how terrible of a human being he really is. I mean, I just feel like he kind of got by without any, without of any I, repercussions. of because
3: of what I was telling Michael, he became a darling of the anti-American um
1: mm-hmm. pe-
3: uh, you know people in the world,
0: right, the movement, yeah,
3: the movement. You know. Uh,
0: right.
3: Let me give you, let me give you a, a, an example of, of what I'm talking about. Uh somebody uh, I don't remember the name of the guy, but a, a, a political prisoner wrote a book uh and uh in the book his wife is trying to appeal to governments uh, to see if they can get him out. And he was talking to the Swedish ambassador, or some Swedish diplomat, and she was telling him what he was going through. And he says, I would love to help you, but if I do, it will be such a propaganda coup for the United States. So I can't. Mm.
4: It gives you yeah. an
3: example. The people that... Hate the United States didn't did not want to do anything and wanted to continue to make him sound like such a hero because he he you know spit in the eye of the United States and so many people wanted to do that and couldn't and he was uh, the foster child for that you
2: know yeah
0: perfect yeah. example
5: yeah
0: and and you know it'd be interesting to see I mean now now that you know people can can travel to Cuba. Mm-hmm. and and kind of that line is open, it would be interesting to see someone who, or hear someone who has just come over like in the past year. Because I know that I've met people that, you know, had just come to the United States or somehow got permission to visit. And for them, Fidel and the regime and the government, was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Oh yeah, well because that's what they've been told. Oh my. Been told Yeah. And, and they don't know. They don't. They have know no any point better. of reference. They have no point of reference.
1: Yep. Yeah, yep. they have no point of yep.
2: reference. Exactly. But, so, but I mean, don't the
1: teachers, that the the the, the adults teaching, don't don't they know what they're doing is is wrong? They, they don't know that? I mean, I don't know. There's, no, but you I'm see, sure
3: every, every, everybody, everybody in position to teach, everybody in position to educate is, is, is appointed by the government. So so mm-hmm. it's very insidious because there's, there's, no, there's no independent teacher that can go on class and tell them a different story. Right. You know, those teachers are being appointed by the government. And if there happens to be a teacher that doesn't tell the line... They yank him out and uh, either put him in prison or he will never be, able, or, he or she will never be able to no, have a job. Uh... That's right. You know? Listen, in Cuba, in every city block, there's a house that spies on everybody on that block. That's how insidious it is. People don't understand that. It's wow. called the Committee of Defense. Every city block yeah. has a house that their job is to spy on their neighbors. Really? Yeah. It's called the Committee of Defense. Wow. I'll give an example. You, the the, the guy or the woman that's in charge of the Committee of Defense for that block, sees a car parked in front of your house that she never seen before, she will go to your house and open the door and say, what is that car doing sitting there? Now, here in the United States, you would tell her to go, you know, take a hike, you know, get out of my property, (laughs) you know, well...
2: If wow, you do that, that's incredible.
3: You call the police, and then the police will come to your house, knock on your door, yank you out, take to the police station, interrogate you for five hours to find out what is that car doing in front of your house. Wow. That, people don't realize wow. that that's, what, that's, what's going on. No. that's how people live in, in that country. You, you know, the, the security force of Cuba was trained by the Stasi, which were worse than the Russians. You know, who, you know, who created the Stasi in East German? Was the guys that survived the Gestapo, the ex Gestapo agents on the other Nazis that were not killed, that were were used. They're the one that started the, the Stasi in, in East Germany, And those are the people that trained the security forces in Cuba. Amazing! It, wow. it is. It's really, people don't understand how bad it is. People say, well, why people don't revolt? Why, why people don't do that? you got to live. It's so, it's so strange and so out of the realm of reality for us living in a free country like the United States oh, yeah. to even think that something like that could possibly go on. That when you tell yeah. people, they don't even understand it, you know? And you know, mm-hmm. listen, uh, we, we can talk here forever, but I'm going to give you another two examples of, of, of what Cuba's been able to sell the propaganda. People that defend Fidel Castro always bring two things up. Well, Cuba has more doctor per capita than any other country in the world. True. Cuba, almost every single person in Cuba knows how to read and write. True. But now, let's scratch the surface and find out why that's the case. Do you know why Cuba has more doctors than anybody in the world? Because the Castro regime uses those doctors and sends them out to third world countries as indentured servants. He takes those doctors. Some of them go and work for free because of the propaganda. 90% of them. Their, they charge those, govern, those countries for the services of their doctors. Let's say for mathematical easiness that that country pays Cuba $2,000 a month for each doctor. You know how much money that doctor makes? $30 a month. Wow. The other $1,770, $970, the, the, the government of Cuba keeps it. That is indentured servitude. That's why Cuba has so many doctors, because it makes money for the regime. Not because it's better for the people of Cuba, because it's a tool for them to make money. Why is everybody in Cuba uh, knows how to read and write? Because in the 21st century, you don't need your slave to pick cotton for you. You need them to run your computers. You need them to run your electrical grid. So the people of Cuba are educated not to, for their life to be better, is for the government to be able to exploit them and utilize them more efficiently. That's why everybody in Cuba is educated. Because people in Cuba are not they don't live any better just because they know how to read and write, their lives are not any better. But the government is able to utilize them and exploit them better because they're educated. Because what do you do with an educated, unskilled labor? You can't do nothing with them. No, of course not. But if you can educate them and now you yeah. can exploit them. <coughs> you see? So you have to go Past the obvious right. to see yeah. how bad that that country and that government is,
0: wow.
3: you know. But like I said, we can talk for hours. Right, this. right. Yeah.
0: Um. You know, I, I thank you so much.
3: I thank for you on. for giving me the opportunity to tell yeah. this story and to listen, for your listeners to be able to hear that. And I hope that they will run to Amazon at Barnes and Noble dot com <laughs> and order the book. <laughs> right, right.
0: And and also, I want to give the number out. To page publishing yes Uh, if anyone has additional information or uh, media inquiries they can contact page publishing uh, toll-free at 1-866-315-2708 so uh, uh, and and of course they can also get the book online uh, Amazon Barnes & Noble you know iTunes um is there a particular website you want to Well find? no but no listen it's in all
3: websites okay. Any any websites that sell books you go do put revolution by Al Romero and right. it will come up And you have three choices you have a hardcover you have a soft cover and you have digital The cheapest way to get the book is digitally you can get it for 10 bucks mm-hmm. which right. is really nothing
2: Right you know right.
3: So you know, if you want to get the book digitally, which most you know the younger generation does the way they go, you know, if you right. want to buy the soft cover, it's twenty bucks. If you okay. want to have the hard cover, I think it's thirty some dollars. Okay. So the best way to go is to get the digital book. Right, you know right. that will be the best. Mm-hmm.
0: Unless you want a signed copy.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's the different story. Then
2: yeah. Then,
0: then Adriana, yeah. Adri-
3: Adriana, if you know anybody in LA that want to turn this into a movie, please let me know immediately.
1: <laughs> I, uh, yes, I'm. Out, I'm meeting all kinds of people here, so I'll definitely keep you in mind. Any conversation I have along the line, I honestly um, think it's necessary, and I think it's it's definitely a, a. I see it as a series that could just capture people, and um, you know, I really I agree hope for with that you, to happen.
2: Because-
3: yeah. yeah. As a small, limited series on HBO or Showtime, you'll be able to tell the whole story rather than a two yes. hour movie. Yeah,
2: I agree yeah, with you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You, you know, um, well, thank you it, it, for writing that for for people like me, by the way. Thank you so much. Well,
2: <laughs> thank you. <laughs>
0: um, what were you going to say? You, you know, it, it might be worth it to try to reach out to Rick Nahara. I don't know who that is. Um, Rick, Rick is a uh, is a comedian. Okay. Like yourself, um, an actor and producer mm-hmm. and director and screenwriter. And, uh, he's out, he's out in LA and, uh, we can, we can talk more about that. Yeah, if you can put him in touch with him, you know, I would love to do uh, that. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he wrote a very funny book, almost white. I
2: think I've heard
0: that. Yeah.
3: And, uh, <laughs>
2: think
3: the he, name uh, sounds familiar.
0: Yeah. He, uh, you know, back in 2014, I, I had surgery and, uh, he sent me an autographed book, and uh, that really got me through my recovery from <laughs> surgery. Yeah, it was it was hilarious. And, and and you know, like you, he talks about how you know comedy really only works well when when you can relate to it personally. Yes, it's you know, the because, only way yeah. I can write because, comedy to try to. You no, know, yeah, look, there are some people that have that gift. To, listen to,
3: Jerry Seinfeld, you know, that's exactly what he does. Jerry right. sits down every day, very very disciplined with a piece of paper and he looks at premises, books, doors, windows, and he writes down and he tries to write something funny about those. I can't do that right. right, right. I
0: can't do All that right. I can't
2: I mm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to give.
0: A, uh, I also want to give a shout out to Joe Sanchez. Oh
3: yeah, Joe. Thank you very much for putting yeah. me in touch with Michael. Uh, and thank you very much for having the opportunity to be on the show.
0: I, I know he's listening, and uh, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to read any of his books. I have but,
3: not, but I've read <laughs> some some of the stuff that he writes on uh, on the email he sends yeah. email, and I've been writing a lot. Very interesting situation with him and the New York Police Department. Yes. Very, very interesting, yes, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I I, I have a criminology background. I, I interned with the Miami Police Department, most of the people in my family in law enforcement, and I know how corrupt the New York City Police Department was at one time. I don't know if it still is, but I know at one time it was. Right. And I what he went, what it looks like he went through and what they did to him was un- unconscionable.
2: Right, yeah.
0: right,
2: right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely.
3: And, uh, yeah. and,
0: and and yeah, we've been on this show before. And uh, uh, and if you're on his email list, I am. You'll never have a dull day. I know. I get I it all the time. I, I, I guarantee.
3: I read it all the time. He sends me stuff all the time, and I read. He don't only sends it to me. I can see that the co- copy goes to like seventeen thousand different people. that's, yeah? right, that's yeah. right. That's right.
0: That's right. Wow. Um, he just sent me a message. Said thank you.
3: And I have to give a shout out also to Jimmy De La Valle, who's the one that put me in touch with Joe. And Joe put me in touch with you. Right, you know? right,
0: right.
3: So Jimmy, and, thank you very much too.
0: And, and Jimmy is. Is a comedian, a comedian,
3: okay. a writer, an actor. He actually has a show on uh, on Amazon, streaming on Amazon.
2: Oh, wonderful! Yeah, oh, coming, wow.
3: uh, what's, the name, what's the name of the show he has? I forgot the name. It, it, very Italian, very you know Italian, Cuba okay. type of New York type of thing. Okay. you know? Uh Very nice guy. I met him. I met him on the cruise ships recently.
2: Oh, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Okay. I
3: told him about my, my book, he put me in touch with Joe, Joe put me in touch with you. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I know. Well,
0: we got to have him on the show. Yes, you should. You yeah, should have him absolutely. on the show. Yeah, He's a very interesting guy, too, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, you're welcome to come back anytime. Thank you very much. You know, and, and you're local. Yes, I am. You know, you know? Uh, unlike a lot of the guests that come on, yeah. you know, who are in, you know, we have guests from other parts of the country. Right, right. Other countries, you know. Uh, our last show, we had Muhammad, who, who, uh, you know. Uh, not the prophet, who, was it? No, no, <laughs> not the prophet. But uh, he was a uh, interpreter for the U.S. Army, who's now in hiding oh, wow. in in Pakistan. Uh, he was an Afghan interpreter, helped the U.S. military. You know, a lot of those guys got uh, yep. screwed
3: over badly. Because yep. they helped the United States, yeah. and, and now they're, they're 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 running for life. Yes. Because the the that- yeah, that's know,
0: exactly his story.
3: that we're not protecting those people yeah I mean, I mean they put everything on the line. I mean, yeah. and for them not to be be taken care of, that's criminal, it really is. yeah,
0: absolutely. I yeah. agree. Yeah. I agree. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Al. Well, thank you for um, having me. Any any uh, final comments, Adriana?
1: No, I, I mean just except for the fact that we need to get this into people's TVs. So hopefully that'll be in the near future. I'll try my hardest to see what kind of connections I have out here.
3: When you from your lips to God's ears, sweetheart.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: hope it happens. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Everybody that you know in LA, tell them about it. Maybe they'll be interested in doing it into a mini series. That's right. Yes, That's,
1: exactly. Thank yeah.
0: you. And and then uh, you know, we can we can do the. Sh- live in person from LA definitely that would be fantastic wouldn't Mm. it be great
1: yes Yes. Uh, sound good Adriana I'm sorry it was cutting off a little bit
0: yeah I said does that sound good we do it live in person from LA
1: yes especially if we have a whole group here and we have a videotape I think that would be the perfect recipe to have a great podcast
0: All right, wonderful Well, um, again, that's – I want to thank everybody uh, for coming on, Uh, Al, Adriana. I want to thank Joe Sanchez. Um, Although he didn't call in today, I'm going to talk to him about that. Yeah, he he told me he was going to call in. Yeah, he usually calls in. But uh, I I know he's kind (laughs) of tired. So, um, you know, I'll I'll give him a pass this one time. But, um, you know, I appreciate you coming on, Al. I appreciate you coming over. And, um, you know, uh, I wish you nothing but success with the book. And uh, Well, one more thing before we leave. Yeah. This Saturday, November
3: 17th. Oh, yes. I'm going to be at the Miami International Book Fair. So anybody in the South Florida area that is listening to this, come by.
0: We totally forgot about that. I know.
3: I just remember. November, (laughs) this Saturday, November 17th, between 10 a.m. and 7 p.m., on north south no northeast 4th street between 2nd avenue and Biscayne Boulevard that's northeast 4th street between 2nd avenue and Biscayne Boulevard I'll have my booth there so anybody listening to this in the South Florida area come
0: by say hello and buy a book wonderful wonderful I'm I'm so you know you and I, we've talked about the book fair. I know. I don't know how many times. I know. Well, we got so involved in, but, the, in talking, you know. But, but I'm so glad that, that you actually. I remember at you, the last you, minute. You actually did remember at the yeah. 11th hour. <laughs> by <know>. the way. <laughs> yes. The the Miami International Book Fair. Right. Adriana's going to fly in from L.A. Great.
2: And uh, <laughs> yes.
1: you're going to be there My from 10 My spirit will be flying. 10 a.m. Yeah.
3: to 7 p.m.
0: From 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Northeast Fourth Street between Second Avenue and Biscayne Boulevard. All right. Terrific. And and again, anyone, uh, if you have any thoughts, comments, suggestions, uh, you can send me a message through the show page, and I'll definitely I'll definitely forward it uh, to Al. Um, and. Uh, Joe Sanchez now is calling in. <laughs> can, can you believe it's uh, the eleventh hour? Joe Sanchez is calling. In. He and, and he's texting me saying, "I'm calling. Pick up. Okay.
2: Pick up." <laughs> well, if you
0: have the time, I have it. All right, we're gonna pick him up real quick. Joe, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Listen, I've been listening to your show, Al from
4: uh, <laughs> I, my, Nice to hear your voice. Though no, I come in late, but when I come in, I finish. That's the way it's supposed <laughs> to be. You, no, thank you very much. Oh, oh, yeah, no, yeah. I'm glad Jimmy uh, got a hold of me and told me about you. I wish you the very best with your book. And thank uh, you. I know you're reading my emails because uh, you know I've been out there. I know what it's all about. It's it's hard. I've been promoting for the last 10 years my book. Uh, I'm trying to get it into a movie myself. So uh, you don't give up. And like, no, uh, you have you to you keep plugging
3: away, and you you know. And your story no, no. is very I, interesting, man. You, you had a very interesting story, you know. I mean, you're well, you're like I the Fanny Serpico.
4: Yeah, well, don't say that to Frank, cause Frank got excuse me, he very upset because of that. So uh, I am no longer a friend of, of Frank Serpico, believe it or not. Really, because, because of, of that? It. Yeah. Because of uh, that? Yes. Uh, yes. That's a long story, but Mike Michael knows about it. But uh, uh, you just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, uh, so Malati, you it's hard for us Latino because, yeah, four percent of the actors in Hollywood. There's only four percent, and it's uh, 53 million uh, people as far as Hispanics go in the United States. Other than four percent, two percent are out of work. Okay, Blacks have 12 percent, and there's only 13 millions of them, but they push and they have more work than Latino. So uh, I know the story. I know the story, and I I don't believe it I lived it. I, I know my history. One day you call me, you know, uh, call me. We can talk about that and uh, okay. and see where we can go with that. So you keep pushing. I mean, God bless you. God bless your uh, your uncle who suffered from PTSD for what he went through in, in Cuba. And, yes, at the Fidel Castro uh, was a high-level Machiavellian, okay? Yes, he was. Yeah. Yes, and, he was. And uh, if he died without asking the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness, but that's between him and the Lord now. But, uh, right. again, thank you again, and it's a pleasure talking to you. Okay? I'm, I'm sorry you, I called a little late.
2: Thank you very
4: much. Okay, thank you.
0: Thank you you I, guys I
2: li- take care. Yeah, God bless.
3: Right, Joe? I Yeah it's Latin time. Latin time, yo. And, you know, we show
4: up, but we show up late, but we show up. <laughs> that's it. That's it. It's, yeah, but, it's, it's hey, our, our time is here. It's our time at bat. Our time at bat, when it comes to Hollywood stories, forget about playing drug dealers. We should have a hero. I don't care if it's military, law enforcement. It's up. It's our time up at bat, and we hit home runs. We hit home runs. Right. God willing, it will turn out good for us in the near future. Okay, brother? Amen. Thank you. Amen. Yes. Thank, thank Amen. you so much, yeah. Joe. And, and I want to no give
0: problem. Joe's website out. If you want to order a book from Joe, bluewallnypd.com. And uh, you won't be disappointed. Right.
4: All right. right. And just just Google batch 3712, or just Google Joe Sanchez NYPD for my life story. Okay? All right. Thanks, Joe. Okay. No problem. Thank you. God bless you all. Bye now. All right, Bye bye. All right. So that's a wrap. Thank
0: you all once again. And and this time we are going to, we are definitely going to disconnect because I see the timer on the show and and. We're down. So we're going to the we're, rap we're, party we're, now, we're, right? We're, yes, we're about, we're about to go in the red.
2: So, to the so rap we, party now.
0: We are going to end. You've been listening to the Michael Calderon Show. We thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, you ever want to call in with a question or a comment, the number is 929-477-1785. That's 929-477-1785. You can always send us a message at the show page. And make sure you subscribe so you'll get Regular notices and alerts uh, when we're going live, and uh, and you can join us at that time. I also want to give a shout out once again to Diana for um, for also uh, taking part in this. She's very shy, so I. She didn't
3: I
2: shy. know, she I know. Sound so shy I'm, at all. I'm
0: very I'm very proud of her. I'm so glad that that she did participate with us. Adriana, we'll talk soon. Have a great Thank evening. You. Thank you. um, You
1: too as well. Thank you so much, Al.
0: Thank you. All right. Have a great night. All right. Well, that's a wrap, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we thank you. God bless you. God bless America.